Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. Good morning, good morning. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Braveheart Conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And this is my co-host, Marie Wallace. Hello. And uh, we're super excited to be here with you today. We are here every Thursday live. You can join us on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Braveheart Conversations. And you can also find any of our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all the places. So thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Today we're going to be talking about the good girl. Mm. And uh, I really like this topic. Um, This is near and dear to my heart. So when I talk about the good girl, I'm really talking about the old programming that Mm -hmm. a lot of us have had growing up. And this can apply to men too, but I specifically talk to women because I think that this is even more of an issue. We have a very um, motherly role that we are told we're supposed to play, a very um, gentle and feminine role. And so that's what I want to address today is that sometimes there's a dark side to that. Uh, Or not sometimes, there is a dark side. And not that there's anything wrong with being gentle or feminine, but if your identity is entirely wrapped up in that, um, and that is all you are, it certainly can cause some problems. So that's what I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Um, The dark side of being the good girl. It's costing you some things. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It costed me a lot. It did. It costed, costed, it costed me a lot. Yeah. I, I like I'm that. Three right now. It costed me a lot. Yes. This is my little child coming yeah, out Yeah, to yeah, speak. yeah. That little girl is a... She's like, yeah, Jill. You, you only knew. Oh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, it sounded yeah. right at first. I right? know. It sounded right to my inner child. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Actually, these things did start really, really young. So I remember being a small child being taught, you know, that being accommodating was a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to outline like what you what get I'm... praise and accolades and for being a good girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Not causing too many problems, no. not being loud, not being obnoxious, not being bossy, all the things, right? <laughs> um, So I want to just give a little bit of a background what I'm meaning when I say the good girl. And the good girl to me is uh, accommodating, like I just said, accommodating, um, very selfless, right? We've learned that being selfish is really bad. Nobody wants to be selfish. Um, We've learned- responsible. mm -hmm, Very patient. Mm, Patient. Very forgiving. Um, very tolerant. These are all like buzzwords that they mean a lot, right? We're, um, we're long suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are words that we've associated with being loving. That when you are being good, you are being loving. And so what I want to talk about today is that those quality qualities can, can be a good thing. Um, but they can also, if that is where you are prioritizing, 
who you are is all of those things there's a dark side to that so where the good girl is in conflict is she isn't generally very honest she prioritizes other people's feelings above being honest and authentic so for example maybe she doesn't like something but she's gonna say that she does because she doesn't want to hurt somebody's feelings doesn't want to cause a ripple or a a disease uh-huh and and a way that this shows up for a lot of women I see is little white lies that we think are innocent and insignificant maybe we're really tired and we want to go home and rest but we've been asked to go somewhere or do something and so that that good girl identity that's been so cultivated all of our life says well it'd be rude to say no um, you really should go, you should think about them, and then we say yes, and then we're not really being honest. Either we say yes, and we're not really authentically invested in going, or we make up a lie. Yeah, either <laughs> right? way, you're inauthentic. Yeah, we make up a lie, oh, I can't because, you know, oh, I committed to something else when you really haven't. And then you end up being resentful because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they made you do it or <laughs> something that another lie that you tell yourself right right so the cost for being that good girl is often giving up our authenticity it's giving up our honest um, answer which is no I don't want to go uh, actually I'm really tired I'd like to go home um, and then there can be guilt trips that come up either from you or from the other person sure because uh, unfortunately or maybe it is fortunately, I don't know. Um, we, if we have a lot of good girl conditioning, we find ourselves surrounded by people that take advantage of that. And the reason I say fortunately is because we have the opportunity to then heal it. But um, I think there are lots of people who know if that's a trigger for you, mm -hmm. and they're more than willing to say, oh, but that's so Well, you've selfish. been condoning in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was okay before, why not now? Mm-hmm. We've conditioned them. Right. We've conditioned them to treat us that way. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I see a lot, a lot, a lot is women who have some codependent patterns and they want to stay in the good girl identity. They want to be this good person because they believe that that is what is most loving to the other person. I'm sacrificing myself for the sake of this other person. And I really want to break that down today because even though that is what we've been sold for so long, it's really not true. And it may have worked for you in the past too. So it, you might have sold yourself on that was a way because it, it was something that was working for you at one time. Well, I, I'd like to share a little bit of my past, my story. So I was very, very, very caught up in this whole good girl identity. Um, some of it was religion. Um, so I, I very much had internalized this belief system that I come last, um, you know, the, the first will be last and the last mm -hmm. shall be first. And, and I, I very much internalized that if I worried about everybody else, then, you know, I shouldn't worry about me because God would take care of me. And that ended up really creating a huge, um, <laughs> energy drain, I guess, like mm -hmm. I, it was life sucking for me. I ended up in relationships with a couple of different addicts and alcoholics. 
And so, and, and this is the common pattern that I see, especially for someone whose soul really longs to heal this pattern, we will create the most painful uh, paths because we want to heal it. So it was a painful path for me to, um, to get into these relationships with addicts and alcoholics where they were consuming me. And I was still operating in that good girl programming where I thought that if I just loved them for who they were and I just accepted they, them for all of their behavior, um, I never had any um, standards. I, I tolerated anything because I thought that if I just tolerated them enough and they could see how loved they were, that I wouldn't walk away from them for any reason. Like I was there unconditionally that somehow they would find their healing. And, and love you more. And love me more. Yeah. <laughs> They'd love me for it. Yeah. Um, and that if I just proved how much I was willing to suffer for them. And how worthy you were. Yeah. there's worthiness tied up in oh, that totally. good girl syndrome too. Totally. My worth was, I thought I was earning my worth by being so loving and so caring. So um, I got so caught up in it where, I mean, I had... I had a boyfriend at one point that I was I was housing him. I was feeding him. I was clothing him. He was essentially my child. He did not have a job. He was very very much struggling with painkiller addiction and alcoholism and um I bought him a puppy to keep him distracted from using drugs. Um one of the stories I like to tell is is so funny to me that I <laughs> stooped this low, but I was barely learning boundaries. And I had been in Al-Anon a few months, and uh, which Al-Anon is a program for friends and family members of addicts and alcoholics. It helped me tremendously. I learned a lot in that. Mm -hmm. I've been in that program for nine years now, and it, it's really been life-changing. But I had only been in a couple of months, and I was learning, you know, this very foreign word, boundaries. And so I had told uh, my boyfriend at the time that I would no longer buy him cigarettes. Because up to this point, I was so resentful because he would tell me that if he could just smoke cigarettes, then he wouldn't crave drugs. I was a fool enough <laughs> to believe this. So I had been buying these cigarettes. Now, mind you, I don't smoke. I didn't agree with smoking. I thought it was not a good habit. I, I thought it was something that would kill him. And, um, and I didn't have the finances either. I was drowning in debt. This was also someone who was regularly stealing my credit cards and running them up and, and wasn't working, wasn't contributing. So I had like this whole pile of things happening. But I said, no, I'm no longer going to buy you cigarettes. But I hurt so bad watching him hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, he was withdrawing from these cigarettes and it, he was anxious and he was mad, um, probably. He was irritable. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it, but I knew I couldn't break my boundary. <laughs> and I knew this had been a pattern for me. So what did I do? Well, <laughs> I decided to drive him around from gas station to gas station, picking out cigarette butts. Yeah. Um, so he could get his cigarette fix. Wow. Yeah. And so this is where I came from. I tell this story to show like, if I can do this, like, if a codependent like me can somehow uh, find her way to self-love and breaking these patterns, then anyone can.
So yeah, I drove him around looking for cigarette butts because I couldn't bear to see him just uncomfortable. And I took his pain upon myself to solve. And so that was what the good girl for me looked like. It looked like at the end of that relationship, I was so sucked dry that I was in $30,000 of debt because this man had forged checks and stolen credit card and I, I wouldn't ever report him for it because I couldn't bear to see him go to jail because how could I do that to Right. Him? <laughs> Boy, I can relate to all of this. <laughs> um, so I was $30,000 in debt. Mind you, the beginning of the relationship, I, w I had 10000 in the bank, right? And I was a young, you know, I was 22, 23 when this relationship started. Um, and I was emotionally so depleted. I was, um, I really mm, had to question everything that I had um, learned really as a child because I had done all the things I thought were the right thing. I had put him first. I had sacrificed myself. I had, you know, done all of these things that I thought the payoff was supposed to be somebody loving me back. And that wasn't at all what happened. So I had a lot of relearning to do and it felt so foreign. It felt so foreign to learn about boundaries and saying no and basically being mean, mm -hmm. right? I was learning to be mean and speak up for myself. So um, I hope that gives you kind of an image of what that good girl is that I'm talking about. Um, that very sad person <laughs> when I look back that was the first time in my life I can ever say I was suicidal like I I was so um, hopeless I felt like I was giving all I was giving everything that I could think to give and it wasn't paying off the way that I had always been told that it would or that it should um, well, it comes to loyalty, too, because you think if you give all that and you've done all these things and you've showed your loyalty, you've shown all the ways that you're worthy to be in that relationship and it's not reciprocated, that's what leads you to that feeling of being despondent because you're going, but I've given all these things and it's still not enough. Not realizing because we we have been conditioned this way all the things like stand by your man and um you know be being that woman that is supportive and and somehow you feel if you pull yourself out you're not being supportive mm -hmm. um i also was in relationship of addiction um been in ones that were gambling um sat in casinos mm -hmm. i sat in casinos until the money was all gone. Fortunately for me, I would tuck some money away so that we had gas to get home. Um, I've been in alcoholic relationships, uh, just doing the very same things that Jillian was talking about, just giving my all, just somehow if I gave more, then I would I would receive that love and, and recognition. And um, yeah, because there's some recognition in there. Don't you see that? Um, what I'm doing for you. I, I remember I, I earned sheets. I My house was spotless and I was afraid of like making someone upset and mad and I don't know where weird things like that but yeah just thinking that somehow my worthiness would be increased by giving more and yeah, yeah it, it, it cost.
It does. Well, and and then I lose out on my dreams and all the things that I wanted to do. I became overly responsible, overly responsible and mm-hmm. overly worried about the other person so much that I lost who I was. Mm-hmm. And that was me too. I had so much obsession. Um, oh yeah, there's a good word. <laughs> I was really obsessed with the other person's behavior. My whole life started revolving around how I can make his addiction stop, um, how I could make his drinking stop, how I could um, make him be faithful, how I could make him uh, be a good person. So um, my life no longer, like I, I wasn't even thinking about what my behavior was or what my dreams were, what my goals were. It was all There's no about room. Him. There's no room. <laughs> no. And um, what's really interesting is when I act like I'm responsible for somebody else's happiness, they start believing mm. that I'm responsible for their happiness. And then they get mad because I can't. I can't create their happiness. So Which that, is detrimental to them. Right. Yeah, so um, so then it became, I'm giving, 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 and then they're frustrated because they're like, well, you need to give more because I'm not happy, right? <laughs> and um, man, it's a, a vicious cycle. It is man. a vicious cycle. And um, so I had all this obsession with this person, totally hopeless because they're not changing, <laughs> right? Um, and then... Here's, here's the point that's really important to me is that I thought that that was loving for them. And I thought that if, uh, even if I sacrificed myself, if they could be okay, then maybe it was worth it. <laughs> and what I want you all to hear is that they were worse off for mm-hmm. it. I thought I was being loving and they were worse off for it. Um, so what happened to me multiple times was I got in relationship with an addict or someone who was really, really struggling, uh, could be mental health, could be addiction, whatever, whatever the issue was. And I, I jumped in as savior, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to save the day. I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to give you all the resources you need. And, um, I'm playing that good girl. I'm being self-sacrificing. I'm really betraying myself through the whole thing and tough lessons they get worse, their addictions get worse, they get unhappier. Um, And when I finally give up, because I'm one tenacious motherfucker, (laughs) I am so (laughs) tenacious, I will hang on for years and I'm gonna make it work. Um, I finally give up and then they get better. Yeah, maybe they go to jail. Maybe they, you know, I I had one situation where my biggest fears were he's going to go to jail. He's going to commit suicide. He's going to, um, he's going to have to go to the mental health hospital. He's going to be homeless. And those things all happened. He tried to commit suicide and didn't succeed, but he did go to jail because he kept stealing. Uh, he did, uh, end up in the mental health hospital and he was homeless for a while. But you know what? Like a year and a half later, he was managing a restaurant and he was successful. Like he was he was doing just fine. Because sometimes we're holding them back. Mm-hmm. Doing all those things. Yeah, we're holding them back. When I was allowing and tolerating someone to keep hurting me and to keep taking advantage of me, I was keeping them from being accountable. 
that's what was happening as I was actually shielding them from the accountability that would have happened if they were out in the normal world with anybody else because nobody else was going to tolerate that right. nobody's just going to keep putting up with abuse I would <laughs> but but like that was actually hurting them because when they got that accountability was that was what changed their behavior not me babying them so um, over and over I got this lesson when I got the hell out of the way they got better um, so it was a really tough lesson for me to look at that what I thought was loving was actually not loving at all it was actually stealing people's dignity it was stealing their accountability it was robbing them of the lessons that they were meant to have because the universe uses pain right the universe uses pain as a motivator and a catalyst for change when it gets painful enough I will do something different same with that addict or alcoholic or whoever else I was trying to heal and solve their pain their pain was their greatest lesson it was their greatest gift that was what was going to help them um, heal that and move forward and I kept stealing it from them I so we're also taking... stealing their brilliance too yes because we're meant to have pain and, and our resiliency, right? When I experience my so you pain, can act was out of your best self, right? That that's when I've tapped into my brilliance, mm -hmm. right? Was when it got painful enough that I had to change. So um, those were really tough lessons for me to learn. Um, but what Mary I Beth said that she's been there too. Yes, Mary Beth, we've been there together. I remember these days. Um, yeah, and we we both made it through. Um, yeah, so what I want you to hear is actually that good girl voice in your head that's telling you that you're being rude and mean and unloving and you're being a bitch and you're selfish, mm, all those things, <laughs> um, she's lying to you. And likely that other person that's saying those things too, because they want you to be accommodating, um, they're lying to you because what I have found is most loving is when you are honest, when you are authentic, when you have the courage to have the tough conversations, when you have your standards and you hold to them, when you keep them accountable and you say, no, I won't put up with abuse. I won't put up with you taking advantage of taking advantage of me and harming me yeah. and like I won't do that anymore I won't participate in that not because I don't love you but because I do love you so we get to stand up to that good girl voice because she's lying to you and saying that that you're being loving by being good and you're often not at all you're not at and all and it may not be that other person's so much lying to you overtly it's it's you've trained them and they believe they believe that they believe that lie because you've trained them you've yeah. given them all the words to say back to you and not that i mean i do think there are some there intentionally are there are some definitely i'm um, just saying for the most part a lot of times we're being fed back what we've trained someone else to do for us yeah and retraining happens it's yeah mm -hmm. you you can old dogs can learn new tricks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just gotta take them to obedience school. So obey your uh, your your warrior side. Obey the one that says, "Hey, you're strong and you're confident and you're you're amazing and beautiful and you can just you can hold all of that. You can it can be a both and. Yeah, you can still have that sweet nice girl. She just doesn't have to be someone that's run over or. Um, 
yeah right allows so, allows that behavior that's not acceptable because you wouldn't accept it from anyone else well some some people might but yeah there's it's interesting how sometimes we allow our partner to do some things that we may not let mm-hmm. other people do absolutely um, yeah, and I wouldn't want people to allow that behavior from me. I would no. want accountability. Yeah, we um, want to be there for you and strong, and but not mm-hmm. run over. There's a difference between support and... <laughs> yeah, so something that really uh, was difficult for me to get to, but I finally found that truth, is I realized there was a difference between uh, like love and loyalty was a big one for me. So I can still love someone and not be loyal to them. So I realized loyalty I was giving unconditionally. I was saying, okay, we're in a relationship. So no matter what, through thick and thin, I don't care if you, you know, take me to the cleaners. I am still going to be here with Mm -hmm. you. My loyalty was unconditional. Today, I make a huge distinction between loyalty and love. My love is unconditional, but I can love someone from the other side of the planet. Way far away, yep. <laughs> like, we don't have to be anywhere near each other for me to love them. What is not unconditional, though, is my loyalty. It's earned. That means, you know, if someone is taking advantage of me, I will remove myself. My presence is not unconditional. So, and that goes for everybody. Nobody gets to cross a magic line where they're all of a sudden a an exception. Yeah. So, you know, I I love my boyfriend. He treats me well. And that loyalty goes so far. If he decided one day that he was, you know, gonna punch me in the face or like, Or be me. <laughs> or, you know, call me names or I don't know, like if there's lots of things that are not allowed and they wouldn't be allowed for me either. I would hope that Marie, if I started calling you cuss words, then you'd say, sorry, sorry Jill, Jill, but <laughs> <laughs> I love you. But if this continues, I'm out. She would do the same. <laughs> exactly. Because that's an honoring relationship. It's agreement that we've made too. It's an unspoke. Well, you know, it's an unspoken agreement. It's just how we honor each other. But when that changes, that's where your courageous conversations mm-hmm. come in. If things change and she was different or I was different, we would have a conversation. And we've kind of built that in our relationship to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that for me, what has been incredibly, incredibly important is um, having clarity. So I think some of us do have that like built in radar Mm. where maybe we haven't been as affected by all of this good girl programming. But for those of us who have, like myself, um, I got so clear. I have what I call the boundaries manifesto and I have written down all of my, my rights, my basic human rights. Um, because I'm so much more able to see them in you than I am in myself. Which is why those people are brought to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can go, oh wait, that's glaring. <laughs> Good to work on that. Right. So if I make an assumption that somebody else has the right to, uh, you know, one of them is constructive conversations oh, yeah. or safety in my relationships, emotional safety. Um, there's all sorts of rights that I have, but if I can see them in somebody else and then translate them like, oh, I have these rights too, then I can be far more clear about when they're violated. 
and I can keep those standards. I keep a, um, a list of standards that I have for myself. So hopefully that didn't cut us out. Um, so we get to be clear um, so that when other people are walking over those lines, we're acknowledging it. <laughs> Our life's going crazy. You guys right? are powerful out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. All kinds of fun what things happening. On? Hopefully that'll chill out. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so I have not always been great at seeing when other people are stepping over that line. So I get to get really clear about where, where that line is so that I am more aware of when people are busting over it. Um, another thing that I wanted to say um, in this good girl conversation is the difference between the good girl and the goddess. That's been a really important visual for me. So the good girl, I see her, like I can envision her a certain way and she is a little bit of that victim where she's taken advantage of and uh, very consumed. Everybody mm -hmm. has access to her and there's really no permission even needed to access her. She's just always there, always available. Um, and then I envision the goddess, which, you know, I, I see her on a throne and she's very regal and, and kind mm -hmm. of like leaned back, right? right. Uh, like people come to her, she doesn't go to them. Right. And she's very... Um, She's still honoring and sweet and all of those things, but it is this mm -hmm. presence and a way she holds herself. And it's an it's an unwritten expectation. Just the leaning back is just an unwritten, like, yeah, she owns herself. Yeah, like she has no problem kicking somebody out of her space. Like if somebody comes into her presence and they're disrespectful, they're out. Um, this is my she's, palace. She's also a gracious queen. You know, mm -hmm. if you can envision a, um, a little child crawling up into her lap, like mm -hmm. she's not unkind, but she does have standards. She does have, um, she has boundaries. She has requirements to be in her space. And if you don't follow them, then it's not that she's mean. She, you're just not going to be there. Yeah. So, um, that has been incredibly helpful for me when I think of, it's a good visual. um, the good girl and all of the, you know, when you, when you step out of that paradigm, she gets pissed off and you will hear her voices loud and clear. She will be telling you all day long that you're rude and you're mean and you're selfish. She'll hold you accountable. <laughs> she is very, she, she's very self-abusive. Um, but when I can contrast her with the goddess, the goddess is not unkind, but she is very queenly. She is very regal. She's the one I meant that would hold you, hold you accountable. The mm. goddess would hold you accountable, right? If you think of a court and a and the way a palace is run, the only way it works is by having these things in place, and she will hold you accountable. Yeah, I love that vision. Yeah, right. You just hold yourself differently. Totally. And so I can walk myself through that conversation if the good girl is like, oh, you're setting this boundary and you're so rude. How dare you do that? Then I can really visualize that goddess and I can say, but no, I'm actually just having the courage to be honest. I'm just having the courage to be true to myself. 
the way that a queen or a goddess would. And that is so helpful for me when I'm dealing with all of those, you know, guilt feelings that mm. are just that old programming that's going crazy. It goes crazy because that's what we've been taught to do from a really young age. So, um, I know that that's a lifelong process healing that good girl voice. Um, but the cost is so high to stay in that programming. The cost is high for you and it's high for me. Um, if I stay in that good girl programming, I lose my own identity, right? I sacrifice my own identity for what anybody else wants me to be. I sacrifice your own dreams, your own values, values anything that you ever really hoped for, desired, dreamed of, yeah. And it's a really empty, lonely existence. I've worked with a lot of women who've lived their whole lives this way, and they don't understand why they're so depressed and why they feel so empty and why they feel um, like they don't even know what they're living for anymore. And that is the cost of living in that good girl paradigm where eventually you just don't even remember. You don't even remember what you want. You don't remember what your desires were because your desires never mattered. And that is not helpful for anybody. The, if you want to be the most loving version of yourself, you get to be the most lit up, turned on, tapped in human being. You get to thrive. You get to honor your desires and not push them away and not suppress them. So if you want to be the most loving person, do what honors you. Be honest. Have the courage to be authentic. Have the courage to be true to yourself. Have the courage to be the goddess, not the good girl. That is the most loving path. What honors you honors everyone all the time. Truth. Mm. <laughs> yeah, do what honors you. It's been far too long that we've been putting everybody else's needs above ours. So I hope that that gave you a good um, picture of the dark side of the good girl. Um, I did not see any questions. No, there weren't any. So, um, hi, Sarah. Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Um, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. If you have Go be a goddess. Yes, go be a goddess. Let go of that good girl. <laughs> um, okay, so if you have any questions, if you have any topic suggestions, if we said something today that pissed you off... <laughs> let, let us, us know. Let us know. <laughs> we want to hear about it. You can reach out to me privately at defytheaverage at gmail.com. You can also reach out to Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. Yeah, we love all of the conversations. So, yeah. Yeah, we love topic suggestions. So, if there's something that comes up for you or if you'd like to share anonymously about something that's going on in your life, we love that too. Um... You can also find any of our previous episodes or discussions at uh, facebook.com slash group slash Braveheart Conversations. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. We all will right. see you next week. We are live every Thursday morning, and I hope you all have a fantastic week from here. Have Bye, fun. Everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.